You're tuning into this week's Revival Recap. Let's hear what's happening in the life of our church. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to our Revival Recap. I say back because, yes, I expect you to listen to all of them. Of course we do because we want this to change your life. So hope you're ready to grab some nuggets and apply them to your faith walk and your life, everybody around you. Today we're chatting about our highlights from our Saturday night meeting. I'm Clint Davis. I'm here with one of our senior leaders, Eddie Tate. Hey, Eddie. How's it going? It's been a while, man. We haven't done one of these in a bit, huh? I know. It's been too long. Yeah, too long, too long. But... I'm excited about today's. Before we jump into the sermon, what was Saturday night like for you? Um, it was good. It was, you know, it was a laying a foundation, I think. No matter how far we are in our walk, no matter what our experiences are, coming back to that foundation of identity is so key. And it, it was an interesting night. It felt like there was a lot of hesitation, but those type of messages sometimes make people wonder why are we touching on this again but it's the unpacking of hey the identity is the key and the spark that everything else flows from that hesitation is so right i think that is the word right there i think that's the word i was trying to figure out what i was feeling but you're right it was hesitation because it's such a big topic right i mean yeah it's not a one preach topic this no this could be a 10-week session to cover one aspect of identity um it is the foundation stone that I think everything that we talk about is based off of because knowing who you are and who and whose you are really is the overflow of everything else that comes out of us. And then on top of that, like in the world we live in now, identity is massively under attack. I, I really think if you look at any social issues or any of the big issues going on in society, it stems from identity and it stems from probably decades of people not knowing who they are trying to figure it out, finding groups of people that agree with an idea without actually understanding the truth of who they are. And those agreements and those ideas become society's version of identity, which is a misplaced target of where identity should be found, which is in God. See, here's our problem, Eddie. You and I, we'll just get going on these topics <laughs> and then off we go. Here's the steam train coming through. There it is. It's coming through. Let's back this up for a second. <laughs> your message was titled, um, Your Identity. Simple. Why this message at this time? What is your heart behind it? Why? I mean, there's so many things you could have preached. Why this? Why now? Yeah. I, I think I really felt like it, it seems like in the news, in society, in our laws, in our city, in our state, in our country, there's so many aspects that people are coming to disagreement over these apparently huge topics. But when you really look at all of them, it all stems from a confusion of their identity. Um, and we sometimes come onto one side or another of these topics based on our view instead of his view. And so we, we look at somebody that believes something different and we begin to put our beliefs and their beliefs as identity instead of the truth of we are all loved, we're all God's children, we're all called to have the same inheritance, just kind of what I talked about, but it's this, there's so many dividing lines and I felt like we just really need to kind of go back and look at the beginning. Like, who are we? If we can get past that, all of these other things will work themselves out if we actually understand who we are and who each other is. So that's really no, that's, hard. No, that's really true. I find that as well. You know, we 
get spinning in the situations of life. Mm-hmm. And then we keep focusing on the situation, but right. really fail to address identity issues. Right. The circumstances begin to influence the identity rather than the other way around. Our identity should influence the circumstances, and that should be the forefront of our mind. What's going on around us doesn't define who we are, but who we are should define what's going on around us. So Yeah, totally. What's that been like for you? What's your, your identity journey been like? Wow. It's a big one. Um, going from, it's kind of funny, I didn't even talk about this this weekend, but going from being the um, product of a rape and being the child of that. So really trying to understand who I am. I had a point in my life where my, one of my step-siblings actually called me a mistake. Well, what that does is it takes my identity of being purposed and makes it random. And that was a large part of my identity early on is figuring out that I'm not just a mistake. I'm not just something that happened. I actually am purposed. And that came through my encounter and my understanding of who God is and who I am. So knowing who I am, I've got a purpose. I've been created. I've not been just accidentally happened. I've been created. And then really coming to this place of getting married, finding out who I am as a husband, having a child, finding out who the father is and who I am as a son and a father, stepping through the last 20 years of being involved in ministry with finding out how does my life impact the lives around me because it's purpose so it should have an impact and i think most of my life i reflect at some point or another to how does this affect me and who i am whatever's going on what does that mean to me what is what does that mean about my identity because is it actually controlling my environment and I think I use that as my probably my standard to address what's going on in my life is whatever's going on in my life good or bad is it that my identity is influencing that or needs to influence it or is that actually being influenced by my surroundings and I think because it's such a core message in me that I reflect on so frequently it just felt like it was the right time yeah, wow. Well, appreciate you being so honest and open. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think many people know that. But that's obviously a big part of your testimony. Yeah, not sure if it means for this, but we actually did a God TV segment where I have an entire testimony about that aspect of it. So. Yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, what's that? Do you, did you ever come to a place where you realized, okay, now I know who I am? Or is that an ongoing thing? Yes and yes. Yes and yes. I thought you were going to do that to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I think I came to the understanding. I, I think the biggest understanding that I first came to was, was I'm not just a product of circumstance. I'm purposed. That was the first real revelatory life-altering understanding. And then from that, I think I realized, oh, this is never going to stop being a revelation. I'm going to daily have revelation about my identity because every day is different, every circumstance is different, every person I encounter is different, and it all actually stems back to who I am on how my life is progressing. Um, my, my relationship with God and how I talk to God, how I interact with God, knowing who I am actually impacts that relationship. Every relationship is impacted by my awareness of my identity. So yes, I think I had a life altering understanding of I'm purposed, but I feel like it's a daily, my identity is growing 
and my awareness of my identity is growing at all times. That's amazing. Yeah. You started, though, the sermon by mentioning vision. <laughs> You're like, God, don't make me talk about vision. And you spoke a little bit about 2020 next yep. year and this uh, understanding of 2020 vision and that whole thing. How much of our vision needs to align with our identity? Yeah. I, awareness. That, that term awareness I used a lot during the sermon, but it's the are you aware? Do you have vision? Do you have clarity? Is, is your understanding, your vision, your awareness... All of that, is it lining up in clarity what God says? Because we can get, our, our vision can become blurred by circumstances, by society, by influences, to where we, we know in our hearts, I'm a child of God. But everything around me lets me feel like he's not actually real right now. Or God, why? It's the, it's the questioning in this place of I'm doubting not questioning in, I know you're there, where are you? There's a difference in our hearts. So having that vision and really, I, I actually believe that what we're stepping into is our awareness of our identity as we become fully aware of who we are, culture, society, these big things that seem overwhelming are going to become very small because our awareness of who we are is going to overtake kind of our view and the things around us are going to become properly placed in how much importance and influence they have. And that our identities begin to supersede and create an atmosphere rather than respond to one. Yeah, that's so true. I love how, yeah, there's an alignment of everything in your life and fits in, like you said, into its proper place. I find the more I've discovered who I am, the more I'm able to go, oh, not going to do that. That's not me. Right. Not going to be part of that. Not going to do that project. That's not me. I'm gonna, this is my lane. Right. And that God has a lane for everybody. For everyone. And, and as we gain clarity on it, when we begin to see it clearly, it actually gives us more authority in that area because we're not spreading ourselves into everything. We're actually focused on it's It's the idea of a shotgun versus a rifle. You know, if you're trying to hit a bullseye, you don't use a shotgun. If you're trying to just make a big splatter, you use something that shoots wide. But when I want focus, I need clarity. I need vision. I need that telescope to show me how close is what I'm trying to hit. And that's where I think we're going in 2020. Yeah. Wow. That's exciting, actually. <laughs> Very exciting. Um, but it does call on us to do some personal work. Very much so. Yeah. It's in our hands. Yeah. We have to actually... Awareness isn't just an accidental, oh, now I see it. Awareness is I'm going to stop and focus on something. I'm going to look at this until I see clearly what it is. Well, that said, let's get into a few practicalities. Yeah. So you said this. You said identity must come from heaven's perspective. I'm kind of ad-libbing, actually, um, <laughs> to us and not from us toward heaven. Right. So... If somebody's listening to this and they're going, okay, great, identity, awesome, that's cool, but how? Right. How, do you, how do you embrace this shift in perspective of heaven toward us and then hearing and identifying ourselves as opposed to us going, no, I'm this, without really consulting heaven, I guess? Right, right. And I get that. And, you know, a lot of times I like to throw out statements in my sermon to make people go into the Word and figure out the truth rather no, than give them don't. answers. <laughs> no, you don't. Don't you always wrap everything up with a nice little bow and give it to us? 
I, I have this <laughs> phrase that questions are not to get answers, questions are for learning. Yeah. So I'm gonna ask exactly. a question so that people learn, not that they get the answer. Right. Um, Heaven's Perspective, this has been such a big deal in my life. I'd say the last several months is I'm really, I'm, I'm coming to an awareness of, as I'm seated in heavenly places, I'm also here. Like we have dual citizenship. We're in heaven sitting, sitting next to him and we're here as well. But when I start to have questions about myself or about things going on, when I'm seeking it from this worldly platform, trying to figure out what is heaven thinking, that's the idea of I actually don't understand heaven when the reality is we've been given the mind of Christ. We have the same things that Jesus has. So if I can allow myself to stop almost put myself in the heavenly places and think, what would heaven be looking at at this perspective? Like, you know, is heaven worried? You know, is God worried about anything going on? Is he surprised? Is God up there going, oh, I didn't know that was happening? No. So why am I so surprised by things going on? If I'm seated in heavenly places, I should have a peace and a confidence and a security that, okay, none of this is surprising anyone. None of this is actually, none of this is catching anybody off guard in heaven. So let me put myself in that place, gain visibility from that perspective and say, okay, I need to approach this the way heaven would without fear, in confidence and peace and clarity. And if I don't get the clarity, I need to still have those things, peace inside of me while I'm in these situations because it's seen by the one who matters. So I want to put myself in that place. So say I sit down and I go, okay, let me try this out. Let me try and see myself from heaven's perspective. And all I see is that I'm not worthy. Right. And that, you know, the enemy is called the thought caster, so those thoughts will come. But the reality is that our mind, our mouths create life and death. So I have an exercise to where if I don't have an answer or if I'm questioning my worth and value, I begin to allow my mouth to declare the truth of heaven. And if I have to open the scriptures to find the truth, I will. But I even have lists of things that I know I've written for myself that, oh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling alone. Okay, I start to just read this list of, oh, that's you're never alone. Yeah. He will never leave you nor forsake you. His presence is not only in me, it's around me. Like just things to make me become aware that, that just realign my vision to the truth. If I'm feeling worthless, God, you... You actually thought I was so worthy, you sent your son to die for me and me alone. If that was the only one, you would have done it. I am the apple of your eye. Like I begin to just declare from the word of God the truth about me. And what it does is it realigns my perspective from this place of I'm not to, oh, I am. Yeah. Wow. That's super helpful. Yep. You must have a lot of lists. No, I'm kidding. I have I'm kidding. A lot. We should, we should all have a lot of lists, I have right? books. I could probably yeah. write books of lists of affirmations. We should all have a lot of lists. <laughs> totally, we need them. Um, I love the honesty there. You said as well that we need to be honest with ourselves in dealing with lies versus truth. And sometimes that honesty is simply that, yeah, I'm feeling abandoned by God. Right, right. I mean, you read about David. You read about all these people in the Bible that they cried out. They were almost angry at God. It's, it's funny when people are afraid to express the true emotions that they're feeling now like everything's got to be happy go lucky right because i have oh, this christian label on me that is look at that see how i poked that button there do you see that you just pushed I my button i didn't poke the bear and oh, i didn't push the button i poked the oh, button with the stick man yeah this <laughs> yeah. this idea that 
everything is, everything has to be good to actually be healthy is such a horrible misconception. The reality is that I, my perception of where I am is my truth. Is it the truth? Probably not a lot of times, but it's my truth. And what I mean by that is what I'm experiencing and feeling is, is real to me in that moment. I have to be okay to be honest about that because once I'm honest and I open that up, I've actually agreed with God to address me in that area. When I try to hide, God's not surprised. He knows when I'm angry. He knows when I'm happy. He knows these things anyways. But it's my willingness to open it up and put it out there to say, God, I actually want you to, to deal with me in this area. Because once I express myself in honesty, my frustration, my questions, any of that, all of a sudden His grace comes in and it's sufficient. His mercy comes in. His love comes in. I had talked about fear. God's not going to address your fear. He's just going to shower you with love because perfect love casts out fear. But if I don't admit I'm afraid, I actually can't receive that type of love because I'm hiding something. He's not. It's not hidden from Him. It's actually hidden from my ability to allow Him to, to encounter me in that way. Yeah, it's good. It's one of the hardest things to do to oh, receive love. So hard. But it's, it's the hardest and easiest things to do. And probably one of the biggest identifiers of flaws in identity, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, I should say this. It's simple. It's not easy. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. Um, you did make this statement, and I love this one. This is one that I think, I think it's so deeply ingrained in our culture as a movement, and it certainly changed my life. Wow, I don't know how long ago, but long ago, because mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm so old now, you know, like <laughs> long ago. But he said, I can't afford to think about myself in a way that he doesn't think about me. Right. Yeah. I love that statement. I, I, it's just, and it, it's probably one of the truest statements that you can do that covers this whole topic in a big way. But once I actually partner with a thought that doesn't line up the way he thinks about me, I actually disqualify what he did. I disqualify how he thinks. And I actually begin to disqualify myself, which none of that's true, but it's my perception. So I allow myself to step into a lie and almost disregard the truth of who he is in my life in that moment. I have to believe what he says about me. And when my thoughts begin to, begin to veer off the truth, that's when I'm like, no, okay, I'm now thinking isolated, separated from the one who is perfect and pure and in me and through me and around me at all times. I have to line myself back up to those thoughts. Well, you said Jesus never argued the identity lie. He just affirmed the truth. Right, yeah. You'll never find a place where Jesus ever argues about his identity. He just, it's like, why would I put my attention on the problem when I can just put my attention on the solution? Mm. That's good. Very good. So this is a tricky, there's a, there's a tricky question I want to ask you now. It's like, it's a, it's a twofold question. And if you're listening to this, then don't get wrapped up in what we're not saying. Hear what we are saying. We want you to find, like we just said now, the truth about this. Don't get wrapped up in a ball of wool. But, you know, we come to church, we family, we have good times. Every, there's a particular culture that develops as well. Are there dangers, because I believe there are, full disclosure, are there dangers to wrapping yourself too much in the culture and missing our identity directly from God? So in other words, you start getting our culture 
from each other within the church. For sure. And we miss that personal identity. For sure. And I'm, I mean, this, this goes into a lot of other topics, but if people aren't personally in the Word, if people aren't personally in prayer, if people aren't having their own individual time with God, then they actually have a communal relationship with God, which isn't individual. So they don't know who they are. They know who they are as a part of something. Our identity needs to first come from our individual relationship with God because that's the purest and truest form of who we are. It should also be a part of the whole. It, and it's the whole when he talks about every, every part of the body. It's like if I'm a finger, but I'm only representing myself in the body and I don't know that I'm a finger, I actually don't know my value, I don't know my purpose, I don't know my worth, I don't know how I function in the greater body. I need to know what I am. I need to know who I am. I need to know my purpose, my function. I need to know my identity in Him so that when I come together, I complement the body instead of just become lost in it. Yeah, that's true. And, and it, it draws a big distinction, right, between coming to church to get your identity. And I say church in the sense of coming to a meeting right. to get your identity as opposed to coming with your identity and being a part of that body to to operate in what you are. Definitely. And then, you know, I, and we don't want to get caught up on the other side where it's like, well, if I only need my own identity, I don't need church. No, we need all aspects of how we experience God. And the corporate, to, the corporate meetings are meant to encourage, uplift, teach, train, create areas of fellowship and community. But they cannot be your exclusive relationship with God. They have to be a supplemental relationship with God individual time with God in the word, in prayer, in those areas has to be first. It has to be. That's so good. I want to, um, I want to clarify some language mm -hmm. from your sermon. So the one thing you said was that we have heaven within us. Mm -hmm. And I realized that if there's new believers or people that come from other walks and that that might be a really weird, almost universalistic concept yep. in their brains. Can you clarify that for us a little bit? Well, and I like that you said universalistic concept. All other religious concepts are probably true in almost everything they say. They just don't point to the right source. I mean, yeah, it's, right. it's it, it, yeah. Yeah, and we spoke about, the, Joaquin and I spoke about this last uh, recap, I think, where there's this freedom in those movements to explore spirituality right. in a way that we kind of clamber down a little bit and get scared of language. And that's why I love these opportunities to unpackage that language and bring truth into it. Right. Um, the kingdom of heaven is in us. I mean, the, the reality of the presence of God. So, you know, there are things about God that are beyond our understanding, but we have full truth and belief in them. The, the triune God, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one and separate at the exact same moment. The Holy Spirit is in us. Um, the Bible says many times that we, like Jesus breathed or we receive the Holy Spirit inside of us. So the presence, the indwelling presence of God is inside of us. Um, it's also on us. The Bible talks about how the presence came upon them. So understanding that the presence of God is inside of us is probably the easiest way to realize that we're never separated from Him. Mm, He's there. Yeah. It's impossible to be separated from Him. Um, when we don't feel Him sometimes or we feel disconnected, it's because we start to think about the external expressions of God when we don't really understand that the internal expression of God in our lives, the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, it just doesn't leave. It's there. 
being aware of it, actually focusing on it, seeing it, understanding it, feeling that presence inside of us. When you have peace beyond all understanding, when everything in your life is chaotic and there's this in incredible sense of peace that doesn't make sense, that's the Holy Spirit inside of you, bringing the reality of heaven into your life in a way that you could not have done on your own. I mean, what I'm hearing you describe is both a tangible, per, tangible personage mm-hmm. and a authority and governance. Yes. That there's a, a different grid, a different rulership, a different... Is that, is that right? Yeah, totally. I, I mean, it's the idea that we are children of God. Yeah. We are heirs with Christ. We have been given all authority over things. Well, my children don't have all authority. But the same, as, same thing with God was where we may not understand everything, but we are children. We're co-heirs. We have all authority. Like we have authority to represent heaven in its fullness. Yet at the same time, we are children just in awe of our Father. I mean, God, number one, is never away from us, yet He's holy, which the word holy means separated and perfect. So, yes, He's separated and perfect because He is the Holy One, but at the same moment, He is inside of us, which allows us to have that access and authority. It allows us to be completely submitted as children in awe of a wonderful Father, but also walking in an authority to release heaven in every aspect that heaven can be released. Amazing. Whether you're in business or a celebrity or a whatever, there's this identity that is formed from what we do. Right. You're a senior leader at Bethel Austin. How do you keep your personal identity separate from your identity as everybody else sees you as right. a senior leader Yeah. and not live according to that. Yeah, and, and that's a daily struggle. And, and to be honest, I have probably faced that reality more in the last two years becoming a senior leader here than I've ever faced in this way. And it's not allowing the expectations of my position or the people around me to overrule my relationship individually with God. Um, and it's being aware of it and protecting it above all things. Uh, early on, I remember my first revelation and, and challenge with this was I, f- I stopped reading the Word for myself and I was reading it for the church because my position required me to actually have more in me for others. That is so common. But oh, I, because I became... A, I, I'm very good at doing my checkups. Like, where is my physical, emotional, spiritual, mental awareness. So I do checkups on myself. Why? Because number one, I have a wife. She's brilliant. She helps me get checked up whether I'm ready or not. But, <laughs> but I do my own checkups. Like, God, where am I in this? Am I, am I okay in these areas? And when I began to realize that, wow, I'm not in the Word. I'm not relationally talking to the author the way I used to because it's become a job, not a relationship. I made an adjustment. I had to, because anything that I've become should be out of who I'm with and who I am. Once I actually let that, my position or my job or anything like that, become my identity, 
I've lost the source that actually got me there and it will fade. And that's where you see people that burn out, people that lose their joy, they lose their passion, they sometimes fall or make big errors in their lives. It's because they've let go of the one that got them there to be the one that they have all become. It's like, no, I'm not gonna mm. ever let my job or my position trump my relationship with God. It has to be first. Yeah, mm. that is great. That is great. Huh. Was there anything after the fact, after you preached this sermon that you thought, oh, could have changed that, could have hit that better? Somebody asked you a question or was there anything that you're like, yeah, after the fact, uh, I wish I added or removed this or that? Uh, I mean, it's funny. You know, you get a few conversations after people asking aspects of identity. Well, what about, what about, you know, the what about this? Well, how would you think about this? And even in preparing the message, I slimmed it down to six different areas of the Bible that I had stories that represented different natures of our identity, boiled it down to a couple. And then when talking to people, it's like, oh, I, I should have kept that in there because <laughs> yeah. this would have actually handled those questions. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's the reflection. And like like you said at the beginning, this could be uh, this could be a series that m could never end because you can touch on identity in everything we talk about. You could refer back to identity, but... I'd say probably one of the biggest ones, and you asked earlier, is the, is the worth. A lot of people are just dealing with their worthiness. And it's, it, to me, it, it relates back to expectation versus expectancy. If I have an expectation of myself, of God, of my relationship with Him, I'm bound to probably miss because there are points that I've laid out that these are the checkpoints I have to hit to actually make it valuable or make it authentic. And that may not be true. I have to have an expectancy, not expectation. Expectation sets up boundaries that I either succeed or fail. Expectancy is, okay, I'm just hungry for the more. Mm, so That's good. That's a great differentiation. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. I heard somebody say um, on our approach, into meetings it was actually a motivational speaker that i'm not a fan of won't even mention his name i don't i mean i had a, I had a th theologian lecturer at bible school who was very hard on motivational speakers he said they, they are preachers of the devil i was like what wow he's like yeah it's hard right <laughs> wow and he was like because they're telling you you can do everything without god and your own strength and i was like okay that that's hard language but it kind of makes sense on some yeah. level you know but he would always call this particular guy out. But this guy did say something really good once. And he said, um, you should always come into a room with gratitude instead of expectation. Right. Similar to what you're saying. So because good. expectation sets this limit where either somebody's going to perform or not perform according to your level. Right. And we do that with God sometimes as oh, well. Oh, all the time. You know? And ourselves. Like, and that's the identity thing. We do that with ourselves. If I don't do this, then I've failed. Yeah. If I do this... I've succeeded. And well, now you base your identity on that, right? And now I'm performing for identity rather than allowing yeah. my identity to be real. Yeah. So. Yeah. So good. So good. What is the uh, the single big idea, or the single practicality that you would hope people would take away this week and start to install in their lives? I would say more than anything, my heart would be that people would begin to realize that their circumstances do not define their identity. How people talk to them do not define their identity. What they do does not define, like all of the external things don't define their identity. It's who they are in God. And I honestly would hope that people would actually start to talk with God. Not pray, not read, but talk with God about who they are to realign themselves to the truth 
so that those external things begin to become properly submitted to their identity rather than the influence of their identity. Super good. Well, guys, um, there you have it. There's a lot of homework for you to do. You can go through through, uh, this recording a couple of times, I think, and pull out such solid truths. And I'd encourage you that if you are struggling with your identity or at any point, because we all do at some point, at any point, then pull this recording up again and see what you're missing because I think there's some real gold nuggets in this for uh, and practicalities for you to apply it for your life so thank you again for joining us for this revival recap remember that you can get more out of our journey together at bethelatx.com or grab one of our connect coaches on a saturday night at one of our meetings shake them around a little and they'll point you in the right direction to get connected and get the most out of your faith walk in your relationship with god and each other till next time i'll see you then thanks a lot guys god bless Thanks for tuning in to this week's Revival Recap. For more of our podcasts and other resources, visit BethelATX.com.